Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. Lots going on over here at Crawl Space Media. The conversation that's coming up is a fantastic one with some new friends who have a great show out there that is really designed to protect you when you are living a good portion of your life online. Uh, Tim, the other reason why I'm excited is because our new show came out and it's doing really well and getting a lot of good feedback and we couldn't be more happy or more proud of this thing. I know. How are you? I am doing great. Yeah, for the same reasons. Yes. Crawlspace Media's Jennifer Amell has uh, been working on this podcast along with us, but her more directly for a couple of years. And it's called Dark Valley. And you can subscribe to it now. Episode three is coming out on Friday. And also, Lance, we got a facelift. We got a new logo. I don't know. Check it out. Let us know what you think. It's got a lot more color in it now. Curious what uh, everyone thinks. But that's not why we're here today, Lance. Today, we are speaking with two lovely hosts of a podcast called I Met My Murderer Online. And we're speaking with actresses Jillian Lee Garner and Courtney Bell to talk about this podcast and about the dangers of online dating and beyond. Yeah, this is a great conversation. I was really surprised when listening back on this, just how much I didn't even realize my personal information was out there, not being prolific on dating sites or even active on dating sites whatsoever. But you do end up putting a lot of your information out there and you don't realize you're doing it. And not everyone's in danger, obviously, because their information's out there. But there are some things that would seem obvious if you take a step back and you think, I probably shouldn't put that there. And we get into these examples in the conversation, but we have some fun, too. And you can subscribe to I Met My Murderer online in the show notes. And you can also visit IMetMyMurdererOnline.com for more information. And let us know what you think of this episode and our new logo on social media. You can follow us at Crawlspace Podcast or Crawlspace Pod. But Tim, if people wanted to listen to this episode without the ads and all of our other episodes without the ads, including the new logo, where would they go? Well, now our listeners can subscribe to Crawlspace Premium right there in Apple Podcasts. And if you're not an Apple user, you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm. You'll get ad-free episodes, early releases, and our weekly bonus show. And you'll get the first half of Dark Valley. Each new episode will be released on Fridays, but you can hear them early if you're a subscriber. And one more quick thing before we break for commercial, we are going to be joined by the aforementioned Jennifer Amell and Miss Jane Borowski, the only surviving attack victim of the Connecticut River Valley killer on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Crawl Space Podcast YouTube channel. So if you have any questions or you just want to hang out with us, feel free to swing by the Crawl Space Podcast YouTube channel Thursday, the 22nd. That's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right, we're going to break quick for commercial here, and we'll be right back with Jillian and Courtney. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. 
Welcome to the podcast, Courtney Bell and Jillian Lee Gardner. How are you both doing today? We're great. How are you? Thank you guys for having us. So good. We're doing fantastic. This is a wonderful way to start off the week. I think there's a subconscious thing that Tim and I do. We try to book interviews that we know are going to go really well. Fellow content creators Mm. on, talking about really interesting stuff. Obviously, you're passionate about this. Can the two of you talk a little bit about your backgrounds and this uh, partnership between the two of you? So Courtney and I met at college. We both studied acting together at University of Michigan. Both moved out here to pursue acting. So I Met My Murder Online started as a TV show. It's a TV show for the CW. It's one of those 3 a.m. reenactment crime shows. And I was one of the actors in said show. And so when the producing team decided that they wanted to take a different approach for season two of the podcast, they asked if I was interested in being a host. And they were like, we'd love banter and we'd love to make it just more conversational rather than NPR. And I was like, if you want banter, if you want conversation, (laughs) I know the girl and it's Courtney Bell and she's fantastic and gorgeous and talented and all the above. And this is something that we literally talk about with our friends ad nauseum, internet safety, social media safety, text me when you're home from your Uber, like, are you going alone? Or are you going to go home with someone like that is just constantly what we're speaking about. So it just seemed like such a perfect serendipitous fit of us two coming together. 100%. And Jillian and I have had, since we've met, a very paralleled experience, I would say, specifically with dating. I think that's the biggest thing that we've been able to connect about of just like, oh God, I wish we had known if somebody had told us not to do X, Y, and Z or to look out for X, Y, and Z sign, we would be in a better place. And so I feel like we have this level of hyper vigilance that now for us to be able to talk about in the way that we do when we're alone, but just be able to talk about it openly with other people being able to listen in, I hope is helpful. I mean, I don't know. We're still learning ourselves. And that's kind of the vibe is we would like the podcast to feel as if it's kind of an extension of that conversation that we have with our friends. Yeah. Tell us about the podcast. What does each episode entail? Each episode is about, unfortunately, somebody's murder after they had met somebody in different ways online, whether that be through Craigslist, Uber, a dating app, Facebook. It's a plethora of different online scenarios. I think a lot of times it can be assumed that it's just dating apps and we're not trying to put anything down. The main point of the show is that the internet is so rampant right now and obviously it only keeps growing and we want to show it's so great that you can meet new people online and connect in that way, but the dangers of being able to meet people who you don't actually know and meet up with them so quickly or develop intimate relationships. So the way our show works is we focus on one of the murders and we focus on their background, what led them you know, to the person that they met, a little bit of the background of the person that they met. Jillian and I essentially just tell the story, but we are intercut with different perspectives from our criminal psychologist, Judy Ho, and a criminal defense uh, attorney, Sarah Azari, and uh, Joe Garner, our investigative journalist. In addition, we also have the intercuts of Jillian and I, you know, our own commentary of what we think about the situation. As of January of this year, 59.4% of the world's population, which is, I think, 4.7, a little bit more billion people are all on social media, are all social media users. There aren't any other podcasts that are talking about murder cases, which solely started from online interactions. And I think with literally half the world, more than half the world's population online, it's more important than ever to hear these stories. And and especially because like true crime, I mean, Courtney and I have been growing up where it's like NCIS, Law and Order, SVU, like all of these cases were just, you know, our bedtime stories, basically. And so we grew up being very vigilant about our environments and everything. But we haven't been able to have so many stories that are just telling about online interactions. And so I think having more people be aware of just how easy it is to let people know where you live, know what you own, how to navigate that in this world. And we really wanted to make sure our podcast is not about the uh, mystery or excitement uh, that to me, at least some crime podcasts these days seem to put out there of like, listen to how 
interesting and fascinating this is. This is a murder that happened in the seventies. Like all of our stories are stories of people who were murdered within the last ten years. Like their families can easily listen to our podcast today. So we want to make sure that we are telling incredibly respectful and honest stories, not trying to glamorize something that we just think is like scary to keep you up at night. That's not the point. Are you saying that there are podcasts out there that treat true crime as salacious entertainment? I don't want to put any other podcasts down. No, we love love the whole true crime community. We love the whole true crime community. But there are certain moments where it's like, okay, yeah, we're having a kiki and we're talking and it's all good. But someone died and that victim, their family is probably going to listen to this. And it's finding that balance of we're in podcasting, it's entertainment, we're in the entertainment industry, but being as respectful as possible. You know what you get for that? You get an applause. Thanks, guys. (laughs) I was nervous. I didn't know what road it was going to go down. (laughs) (laughs) But they stop so quickly. Once we tell them to stop, they just, yeah. they stop really quickly. And cut. And stop. Yeah. <laughs> but you did say two things that really stood out. One was you're still learning while you do the podcast. And the other one was that you have this super high level of hypervigilance. And Tim and I talk about this, like how every time we have an interview with somebody, they say something and we end up learning. We end up learning from victims, survivors, family members, law enforcement, psychologists, like you name it. They'll say something that's like a light bulb moment. And we love that. But the hypervigilance is really cool because we also talk about that. Can you elaborate a little bit? There's a fine line when you're talking to somebody about how you're hypervigilant between that and like, well, you're just being paranoid. You're just worrying too much. I think what's so fascinating about that for me is that sometimes it is hard to tell the difference because I think more often than not, you maybe are being a little bit paranoid until it actually becomes something that matters. For example, if you guys have heard of Pop Smoke, he was an incredibly up and coming popular rapper who is one is our first episode of Shar Jackson. And he was murdered at an Airbnb while he was home with a couple of his friends. And something that really stood out to me in his story is that they set their alarm before they went to bed at their Airbnb. For me, when I'm at home, my doors are locked, my windows are closed. When I am on vacation, I don't know how often I'm thinking to ask the Airbnb owner, what is the alarm code? And can I set it at night? Setting it when you're inside, I feel like that's something that like my parents do back home at their place in Michigan. We're not doing that on vacation. And so I think now if I was out with friends or before, if somebody decided like, hey, can we set the alarm? That to me, I'd be like, okay, you're being paranoid. Who is looking for us? But in a scenario like this, they did that and still people broke in. So now for me, I'm like, I'm going to make sure that if there's an alarm in the Airbnb. Not only am I locking the doors, closing the windows, I'm setting that alarm because you do not know who is looking. The conversation between like vigilance person, like paranoia is really interesting too, because I like to use the metaphor of ticks. So ticks, only 1% of them carries Lyme disease, right? But you're not going to go around and be like, well, don't be afraid of ticks because only 1% of them carries Lyme disease. Like, no, you're going to go to people and be like, stay away from ticks. They carry Lyme disease. So if I'm walking my dog alone and there's a large figure in a hood behind (laughs) me, like I automatically am on the defense. I have my hand on my pepper spray. Like that is just what we've been taught growing up to see, especially a woman without pepper spray or mace or a Swiss army knife on their keychains. It's kind of like, oh, wow, you're kind of just raw dog in life. Like, are you okay? Like it could happen to any of us, any of us can quote get bit by a tick at any second so it's like but just because some don't carry the disease it doesn't mean that you're not gonna still you know be prepared and in social media it's so different because it's not like okay carry mace it's like don't show the outside of your house don't Mm -hmm. show the window through your house because people can be like oh okay She lives across the street from some red apartment building. I can kind of see that it starts with a two. Let me go to Google Maps and see where I can find red apartment buildings that start with two because I know that she lives in Los Angeles. Like, it's so scary how specific people can get now. And you'll notice, like, Courtney and I, like, I have nothing behind me. You cannot know where I live. You don't know 
what chores I have. Like you don't know anything just from this video because I have to do that. I have to protect myself in that way. But Jesus Christ, Jillian, what are you talking about ticks for? <laughs> I'm sorry. It came out. There's this whole tick thing that's going on right now in the whole Northeast. I got scared. I mean, I can handle a murder conversation all day, every day. Ticks? I mean, I'm gonna. I feel like every itch, I got. I got ticks on me now. No, you Thank don't you. understand. This is why Jillian is so lovely because in whatever scenario that you are in, she will have your back. Like she comes through with the facts and you're like, damn, I don't know if I needed that today, but I actually did because I'm going to think about that all the time. It is a really good point. Like I hate when people tell me I'm being paranoid. I'm like, there are so many things in this world now where I'm like, that is such a prime example. We're not thinking about the small percentage. If you know it can happen, keep yourself safe. Like keep yourself safe. It's that simple. I want to get your opinion on this. I have a big problem with homes that put out the sign for their children when they graduate high school and it says congratulations and it's their picture and their mm. first and last name. What? Oh, you haven't seen this? Going no. to this school. Yeah. What? Congratulations graduating from this middle school going to this high school. It's like, oh, and they know where they live. And what they look like and their first and last name. This is the most LA thing about me. I definitely didn't grow up here, but if I was 18 and they posted some guy that I like, like what school he was going to, his first name, his last name, the day he was born, I'm looking that up and I'm trying to figure out what his zodiac sign is. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you're so not a psychopath. <laughs> Exactly. She's not going to kill him. <laughs> I might try to find him. <laughs> I mean, that's just a whole Pandora's box because then you can get into what do you think about parents putting their children on TikTok and creating yeah. whole accounts just for their kids, knowing that there's pedophiles on social media, like having that full awareness and still creating full accounts for your like toddler and it, it, I don't know everyone do you live your life it's your child would I personally do that nor I think it's definitely a dangerous situation putting your kids out there the good thing about posting pictures of a young kid is they grow up so fast and they change what they look like within like a year for the most part so <laughs> like, there's some safety there i think if you're posting pictures of your kid maybe they're a picture from a couple months ago and it's interesting because they're like we're creating this account so that by the time they're 18 they have like a hundred thousand followers and they can make money off of it and it's like okay yeah or like maybe have them invest in something. I think something that always has concerned me about TikTok is how quickly it blew up. I, I remember I made a video at the end of 2019 just because I was like, what are these little dancing things? And I wonder if TikTok would have blown up anywhere near as quickly had it not been for the pandemic. But I think what's really concerning now is for two people who went to theater school, it was literally not a thing. I mean, I guess for Jill, it was right at the end. But for me, it wasn't, yeah, like not really, like it wasn't a concern. It was so weird. It was like, why are the musical theater kids doing this dance and posting them? That's weird. Because like we were seniors when it came out, or I was a senior when it came out. Yeah, and it was right at the end of senior year for you. And I, I was gone, so I wasn't thinking about it. And now I think what's um, kind of frustrating and scary for me is that if you're a student trying to get into theater school, it could be really beneficial to have videos of you underage online singing and dancing. So if they want to have something else to see you in performing, it's the same reason why people used to put their kids on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like my one audition that I did in theater school, if maybe they were like, mm, she's so great, but there's this other person who looks really similar to her and she's also really great. Let's see what else they have online, what else we can pull to see like what else they can give and maybe that gets you accepted. And so I think that's part of the problem with all of these social media apps is that as wonderful as they are because they connect us and it does something like that, it could give you the gift of going to your dream school. Then you have to compromise some kinds like safety and comfortability of like, okay, I guess I will be posting these videos of my kids at 14 trying to build up their career. Don't you feel there's a, a comfort in not thinking about it? You know, we're all in the crime podcast space and you guys literally doing a show about online stalkers and murderers like you're thinking about it we're thinking about it like most people who post their kids like they're definitely not thinking about it they should listen to i met my murder online 
at the end of the day, it is important to know and to, mm-hmm. like you said, be vigilant and carry pepper spray or mace or just be safe online. I know Lance and I have had some adventures with some online personalities, you could say. We used to use the phrase, a healthy paranoia is what we would call mm. things when we would maybe be too paranoid or along those lines. But we'd always say it's better to be too paranoid than not paranoid enough. Yeah, better be safe than sorry, 100%. I agree, especially being... You know, having a show, someone could have a different opinion than you and be real pissed about it and try everything in their power to at least scare you, if not worse. Are you saying that there are people out there with aggressive opinions? Am I saying that life's not all sunshine and rainbows? Have you read our reviews? <laughs> oh no! Don't do that. Throw them out. <laughs> don't don't, don't, don't make fans. We've already been through therapy about that. We can talk about that. <laughs> oh man! Someone, oh, someone called Courtney and my uh, voices nails on a chalkboard, and we were like, "Cool, thank you." There you go. <laughs> well, that's not fair. <laughs> that's what nails on a chalkboard sound like. I'll take that any day of the week. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. You mentioned Pop Smoke. I understand there was a video posted online that had the address of where they were staying in the background. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, because Pop or Bashar, he came from a Brooklyn gang. Some of his team members on the East Coast who weren't in L.A. said like, hey, you have to take that down. But by that time, it was kind of too late. The whole relationships between East Coast and West Coast gangs, it's a very specific process you have to do a check-in process when you're coming to a different territory they didn't pop didn't do that so a south central la gang caught wind that they were in town saw that he was posting all of this stuff from his rodeo drive shopping spree and then saw that he accidentally posted the airbnb address they were staying at and kind of one thing led to another it's 4 a.m. They left the window unlocked and they go in while Bashar was taking a shower and took his chain off of him. And then one of the robbers said, thank you. And Bashar took that opportunity. He saw that as a sign of weakness and decided to fight back, which led him to getting shot two more times. What avenues do you go down for your own research that have so many different facets, like the gangs and that masculinity, like he just saw saw a weakness there. So you have to fight. I'm not blaming at all, but, you know, mm-hmm. just that, that pride overcame him. So I guess what I'm asking is, like, what what's your thought process as you're learning all of these things? I mean, thankfully, we have our team of mm-hmm. investigative journalists and Dr. Judy Ho, who's a forensic psychologist. So she does give her opinions on how she thinks that the murderers were probably finding their way to them. For me, the most tragic part about this entire experience is that he was 20 years old and uh, his murderers or the people who were part of the murder were all teenagers. Our show focuses, obviously, logline, title. We focus on meeting your murderer online and we really try to focus on how it happened, how they met, how they found him, exactly all of the things that Jillian said. You know, I wouldn't say that it's my expert in any way, shape or form, but I think it would just create a much longer conversation about gang violence and why people who are so young feel the need to not only join gangs, but then 
have all of these rules in place to, as Jillian said as well, protect their territory. And so I think that's definitely more so something that our criminal psychologist, Judy Ho, comments on more and talks about in her own work. It's hard to say, I I guess it's really hard for me to state an opinion on that just because it goes without saying the fact that Pop Smoke was murdered is just devastating and awful. And for the reasons that he was murdered, just it just did not have to happen. But I think it is, in my opinion, in the way that I grew up as well, I think it would be unfortunate to just write off gang violence without having a deeper analysis as to why people feel the need to join them. Again, especially because these people were kids when they did it. What they did was awful. What they did was horribly wrong. But I just like your brain is not developed until you're what 25. That is to me that is the most heartbreaking thing about it. Is that all the, they were all just kids. It's terrible. And I think to answer your question, like every episode is so specific and so different to how the victim came to quote meet their murderer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not really like a specific A to C process for every single episode. It's very mm-hmm. much like okay, pop was related to gang violence. Like how did that play in? okay, Janae, you know, she she was on OnlyFans. And so she had a quote fan, like, okay, how did that play out? Her dad Mm -hmm. found her. Let's speak to her dad. Just things like that. So we just really try to make sure that every victim's story is told specifically for them and not to just fit the format of the show. First, what you said, Courtney, about they're in a gang, their brains aren't developed. Why are they doing this? So that just speaks to a whole bigger community problem. And Jillian, when you said that you wanted to tell the stories without fitting a formula of the show is awesome to hear because you're not thinking about the show. You're thinking about the story and you're not thinking like, well, this has to be cutting room floor material because it's not fitting the formula. Is stalking a part of every case that you've covered so far? It's weird to think about because it almost seems like in a weird way, the answer is almost yes. You know what? I can think of one case where it's not. It's kind of inherent, right? Because if you're looking somebody up on social media and that's how you're getting information about them before you meet up with them, I guess do you describe that as stalking, like the modern day stalking? Sure. But there are certain cases where two people met each other just through Craigslist. There was no like premeditated thinking and discovery of who those people were. So in that case, there wasn't stalking. But I think more often than yes. I was quick to say no. But after thinking about it, Meredith Chapman, who's our third episode, she met this man, Mark, because she hired him from an online job search. Like she hired him from for the university, but found him online. Technically, she was murdered by his wife. And so I was going to say, oh, no, there's no stalking. But no, his wife stalked her and put recording devices in their car and in his jacket before she went to Meredith's home to shoot her in the face. So I would say that there was stalking in that case. Yes. So in most of our cases, yes, there is a some aspect of stalking. Just a varying range, like in the case of Janae Gagné, which maybe you guys have heard of her, her the stage name essentially is uh, Mercedes Moore. She had an OnlyFans, so she would post on her OnlyFans account and do privates with her subscribers. And what would happen is sometimes people send you gifts, right, through OnlyFans. You know, there's no way that they will actually ever fully be able to tell is that they think Kevin Accordo must have gotten Janae's address when Janae posted it just to be able to send a gift. He was upset because he saw that on Janae Gagné's Instagram, she had posted that she had a boyfriend. And so he just assumed because of these private sessions that they were having together through the OnlyFans and what he was subscribing to and paying for, that she was his, which is just unthinkable because it's a, it's a subscription account where obviously that is she he is not her only subscriber. What they assume is that Kevin actually got her address and went to her home rather than actually sending a gift. That case is really sad and heartbreaking for so many reasons because one, her dad found her. What's so interesting about the day and our day and age and where we're living right now is that it can literally save someone's life if you notice that they're not posting on social media. She made her income through social media. Like she she had to post every day. She had to be active in order to let Instagram's algorithm naturally grow your page. You have to post every day. And so she would post to her story or to her her timeline. And her sister noticed that she hadn't posted. She called her dad and she was like, hey, Janae hasn't posted. 
And so her dad calls her, doesn't get an answer, decides to go to her house, sees her at the bottom of the staircase. She's cold. You lied to me. Yeah, you lied to me. You took money from, I was used, like all this stuff. So you could tell that he had like a full day of grieving and coming to terms with what he just done. So yeah, so not only did her father walk in on her, but also walked in on the murderer dying in front of him. Good God. I mean, that's awful. Awful. You have to figure out a way to tell that story without victim blaming. Without saying yeah, because she was on OnlyFans, you know? Yeah, no. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not the case at all. No. This is not about the work she was doing. That's performance. This was mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. a sick individual who couldn't make that delineation between reality and the subscription service that he paid for, for his own yeah. purposes. And then that's sad, too, because you can't, like, that's a whole other aspect of, loneliness and this this connection that we're literally paying for but people are so lonely that they're so desperate for connection and we live in like with the internet where it's so easy to connect but it's also so easy to be manipulated you know how far humans will go to feel loved yeah and then that how that rejection will also you know what that can do it, it it's just it's it's a fascinating story. It's absolutely heartbreaking from all directions of it. Yes, especially because sex work is work. Absolutely. Especially with Janae Gagne, she was, I mean, she was followed, if I'm not mistaken, by Drake, right? Nicki Minaj. Like she had huge celebrities who were her fans and she was, her work was really growing. So just to know what she was doing behind closed doors, she was a phenomenal dancer. You know, she had so much to offer to the world that is a performance it's entertainment it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be a place that you can go and talk to somebody and flirt if it seems fun for you but exactly as jillian is saying people kind of that combine it with their feelings of loneliness and think that it's meant for them and reversely in a case that we had in season one sydney loof would post all the time on her um facebook account talking about the fact that she was lonely and the fact that she just she was alone and like didn't necessarily have people to turn to and so somebody by the name of bailey boswell they connected through a dating app tinder and was able to use that as a way to connect to sydney and prey on sydney and make it seem like she would be her friend and that they could like smoke weed together and drive around for hours and talk and it made sydney feel seen meanwhile Bailey was actually in this type of cult, if you will, with a man named Aubrey Trail. They would pry on young women in this way and use Bailey to bring home these women who were really open about the fact that they were lonely and they were looking for a connection online, bring them back and would assault and murder them. I know there are a lot of different kinds of social media and OnlyFans is kind of a newish one. But what I'm curious about is, are there additional risks if you're on like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and then you're also on OnlyFans? Are there additional risks at OnlyFans versus the other social media sites? OnlyFans is, it can be very private. In order to message the person you're subscribing to, that costs money. And then it costs you money for them to respond. And it's just so transactional. But because of that, it's very personal. You're getting these actual influencers that you've been watching their YouTube videos, TikToks and everything, you are getting them to communicate with you directly. And that is not how it is on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, that it it is very much behind a wall. There's a veil between you and that person, whereas in OnlyFans, that veil is kind of dropped. But transactionally, which adds a very sticky layer to it, because you do have people that understand that it's transactional. And then you have people being like, well, no, we have a special connection now. This means more. And I mean, you see the same thing with men who or not men, but people who have gone into strip clubs and fallen in love with a stripper that's there when they're just doing their job. Like that's a very transactional relationship. I'm going to give you a dance. You can't touch me. Like all that stuff. It's sad because every conversation is so individual. So it's not like, well, she posted this one thing. So now they're all seeing it. It's like she could have posted one thing to one person and give one person their address and just had to trust that one person to not do anything with it. It's interesting because there's more control and then 
a lack of control because with Instagram, you get to kind of just like decide your brand. Am I family friendly? Am I not? Whereas OnlyFans, it can get to, okay, well, with this subscriber, I let him in more. Whereas with this subscriber, I don't at all. It's hard to say like, oh, well, so you have an OnlyFans, like this is how you have one with safety because it's so specific. I think it can be a slippery slope to say whether or not OnlyFans is potentially more dangerous than an Instagram or uh, Twitter or TikTok. Just because, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I I don't think so because I I think it's the same way if you're uh, the more I don't know famous you are as an actor or musician, you can make the argument that sure that is more dangerous because you objectively have more followers and you have more people who are more interested in your personal life. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything that you're doing is more dangerous. That is totally dependent on the people who are at home thinking that your private life is their personal business. So I don't even think it's a matter of the app. I just think it's a matter of like the more famous you are the more likely you have people who are following you. And that is, you know, that is only the fault of the people who take advantage of what type of relationship they think that they have. To all the the people who have OnlyFans accounts that aren't huge, that aren't like musicians already or YouTubers and everything, and they're just trying to get by. So they decided to make uh, OnlyFans. You have to be safe. Like, that's why cam girls have a whole room just dedicated to camming. You know, they don't want someone on cam to zoom in and see a photo of their family or their dog or anything like that. Like, you just have to be more safe. And when you do have a celebrity behind you, it's almost easier to be safer because you have a whole team behind you and you have all of these, you know, backgrounds that you can have or you have the money to have photo shoots for your OnlyFans. And like, it's very produced images, whereas people who are just amateurs, you do have to be more careful. And it's harder when your whole livelihood is made from these interactions, but you just have to share strategically. I think that's the biggest lesson for all social media. Yeah, share exactly. strategically. Anything that you post, ask yourself before you post it, can anyone find me from this post? And is there any personal information that can put me in danger? If those two questions are clear, yeah, post it. Absolutely. If you're on vacation, post the week when you get back. If you have some kind of subscription-based service, don't use your address. Use a P.O. box. You know, exactly as Jillian said, make sure you don't post photos outside of your apartment building or on your street where people can easily Google that. And don't post your routines. Like, that's a whole thing that influencers mm -hmm. are doing now. They're like, get ready with me or like, go on a day with me or a week in the life. And they're like, every morning I go to Barry's boot camp in West Hollywood, and then I go to Air One, and then I go yes. to the yeah. park. And it's like, you're you're giving them a play-by-play -play of your whole day. They know when you're not home or where you are. They know that you're not home. They know that your dog's not home because you always take her on a hike on five o'clock on Wednesday. Like, don't do that. Don't post mm. your car that you drive. Don't post the outside of your apartment building when you're like, this is the outfit for the day. Like, just be strategic about it. What is it about that? Why do they feel the need to do this? Relatability. Yeah. The thing okay. now, in order to get people to follow you, they have to feel like they relate to you. That whole idea of like, oh, let's follow this billionaire celebrity because she lives a life that I'll never have. Like, that's kind of dying out. People want mm -hmm. to be able to achieve by go do the same thing as the people that they're following. And it's even interesting because nowadays, like people aren't following influencers that are just influencers. Like that's kind of dying out. They're like, oh, they're an influencer, but they work in marketing. They're an influencer, but they're a doctor or a therapist. Like right. that's kind of what people want because they want to see it as an achievable act like oh I can also be making all this money and still have my job and not have to be an Instagram person with like a face full of filler like this is also achievable for me and so celebrities because they're becoming more out of touch kind of have to also do that kind of have to be like okay I'll give you like a closet tour because I know that you guys want to see that so like now you kind of have to give your audience a little more into your life in order for them to follow you. But that's just such a, you know, it's a hard rope to balance. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. 
Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s? Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the hosts of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field, and we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. What about for you two personally, if you don't mind sharing? Do you have a an online horror story? <laughs> Do I have an yeah. online horror story? God, you you go. I'm trying to think. Do I have an online horror story? I mean, I had someone find my IMDb page, which I don't post to. You don't. You're not active on it. People post like, "Oh, she did this, so here's an added credit." So it's not something that I'm actively on. And I got an email from a man offering me four to five thousand oh, dollars yes. a month to be a sugar baby, and sent me probably a nine-page email on his past and why he thinks that it would be a good idea. It's just crazy. Constant requests on Instagram, constant creepy things. I can tell you my first Uber ride that I took a screenshot and sent to my friends and was like, if I'm not there in 10 minutes, this is the man that killed me. I was 18. I was at school. I was Ubering to my friend's house. I was outside of my dorm and this Uber pulls up and it's a big pickup truck. And I go to the back door to open it and it's locked. And so then I go up to the guy at the front and I'm like, hey, it's locked. And then he looks at me and he just pats the passenger seat. Oh God. And I was like, uh, and I had to like get up there and sit next to him for this Uber ride. And I like sent a screenshot to my friends. I was like, I might die. Just letting you know, <laughs> I might get kidnapped right now. And today might be the day. And so stuff like that happens now all the time. Now that's like second nature. It's like, if I get an Uber, he says one weird thing or there's a weird shift. I'm sending a screenshot of it to my friends who I'm supposed to be meeting. I don't know if I have any personal scary stories that I can think of right now but I do know I had a friend who called me absolutely terrified because they went to meet up with somebody really late at night at like one in the morning that they met on tinder and when they arrived to the location like had the specific address that they were supposed to go to they had the person messaging them on tinder saying I can see you this is what you're wearing this is what you're doing they took a photo of them from behind like across the street and he was like I am I'm going to die I am going to die. And he was able to call another Uber. And for whatever reason, that person, I have no idea, just wanted to scare him. I don't know why, but thank God nothing else happened. But that was one of the scariest situations that I've been of just having to sit on that phone call as my friend is just receiving pictures of them on the other side of the road. But that's terrifying. Yeah. It was awful. We had a conversation recently, and I think the subject of hitchhiking came up, and everyone says mm. now, you know, oh, we don't hitchhike anymore. Like, it's too dangerous. Like, no one hitchhikes anymore. And like, what are you talking? You get into cars with strangers all the time now. Oh, my God. That's so true. Wait, you just shook my life. My great grandfather wow. was literally killed by a hitchhiker. And now I'm like, oh, my what? God. What? I'm doing the same Wait, thing. Wait, was, was your great grandfather hitchhiking or was he? No, he, he used to be the person I had to like. Um, give the films to different theaters so he would like have to drive cross country and he was on his last trip <sighs> he was going to go from Texas to California to stop and be with like my grandfather and he decided to pick up a couple hitchhikers they were like what do you do and he was like oh I'm in I'm in the film I just like 
I give them to different movie theaters and then I, I ship them across the country basically. And they were like, Oh, bet. And killed them. Oh my God. So, yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I get into Uber rides. I don't even think about that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Not in the slightest. I have gotten into an Uber where I had somebody else who was in the passenger seat with them. It was just awful. It was a woman and her her boyfriend was in the passenger seat. And I I definitely don't think that would happen anymore. That was probably in like 2015. Yeah, that's illegal now. Yeah, but I was like, I just, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I didn't get a bad vibe. I actually just trusted that like she was picking him up to like go home at the end of the night. But I was also definitely not, I was under the age of 25. So I don't know if I was thinking very clearly, but I was like, sure, I'll get in the car with the two of you and go somewhere random. Back in the day when uh, Uber and Lyft first came out, I remember thinking like, well, this is great because I never liked riding in cabs, like taxis. I, you know, taxis are Mm. dirty and they, you know, they they drive all aggressively. And then after you learn all of this stuff, you're like, I'll take a cab. I'll take a cab. At least I know that this is a cab driver. I'm fine. I'm fine if the seat's a little damp. I know I'm, I know I'm probably more safe. Yeah. They have to like check in and out somewhere and drop off that vehicle. It's not just like them at home. Doesn't it depend what it's damp from, Lance? Is it, is it blood I don't really question that. Any, yeah, just any sort of moistness <laughs> doesn't <it> slide. <laughs> oh God! It's a little humid in the cab. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe after a rainstorm, maybe they left the window open. That that could be acceptable, but uh, you know, otherwise, I don't know. I want to know where this dampness is coming from. It's the worst when it's dry out, but it's damp. It's like humid in the cab, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. how, how is this? <laughs> I don't trust this. <laughs> yeah, that's when you, you get in oh, one side and you just get out the other side. I, there have been many times where I wish that I had done that. Just like not worrying about somebody's feelings. You're like, I have a bad vibe, so I'm just going to I'm gonna cross right on through. Thank you so much. Um, hey, take care. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? You just said worried about hurting people's feelings. I, I don't know if it's still a statistic, but when people review uber and lyft even if they had a bad experience they typically still give them a good review why yeah i do i feel bad i feel bad i do too like oh maybe this person just had a bad day yeah i don't know why i've started to change that that actually for whatever reason i think the anonymity of knowing that they will never know that it was me has made me feel a little bit better being like yes i feel bad because i know this is their day job but i also if i'm feeling unsafe it should be known that I'm like, I don't want the next person who gets in the car. To, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, that's true. But you can see how many one star reviews you've gotten. Did you know that? College and being in Ubers means a lot of one star reviews. So I try. I've just... only had one one star <laughs> review and I don't even claim it. I think my friend did it. So I'll <laughs> <laughs> well, keep that friend away no. from your podcast. Oh, true. yeah. I know. Right. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we have an expression over here that uh, that we coined, and it's uh, "stay sexy and don't get murdered." Um, so, Slay. you know, That's whatever great. you have to so do. So good. Uh, just kidding, we didn't create that. <laughs> we did, we did, but then it got stolen from us. Damn. We said it once, and then it just took off on some other show. We're not bitter, by the way. No. <laughs> I, That's the my I favorite. Think I people. saw it. Yeah, I think I just saw it. they made merch with that on them. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a popular thing that they say. I was just, uh, just being a jerk over here. Um, <laughs> I love did it. you guys really say it first? No, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Maybe, I mean, maybe we had something <laughs> similar, but we they said those words, it. but not exactly in those or, in that right, order. Not, they were like, "Say classy." Like in the don't of the get episode, murdered. Halfway through, like not sequential. The site is great. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. it it's not. A, it wasn't us because if we were to call our audience uh, sexy, then you know we'd we'd get uh, we wouldn't be on this conversation. Of, right yeah, now. we'd get accused of sexual really? harassment. I mean, it would be sexual harassment. You know, yeah, not the vibe. Not, <laughs> yeah. I do no. think our audience is very intelligent, though. <laughs> I think your audience is also intelligent. Yeah, yeah. Stay intelligent and don't get murdered. That's actually that's our real tagline. Yeah. I'm so blown away that 40 something minutes into this, we had like a bombshell. We had a crawl space exclusive with your great grandfather. I'm very sorry to hear about that, but I was also (laughs) 
very <laughs> surprised that Courtney had never heard about it. You know, it's not something I, you know, it's not my two truths and a lie. It's not my fun <laughs> fact. I don't really bring it up often, but glad it, glad it came out today. <laughs> Did they ever catch the person? I never knew that. I don't think so. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I have so many questions I want to ask, but I think I shouldn't. Uh, it's like this spooky family story that just like we kind of heard and then we were like, oh, well, say lovey. Okay. Well, Courtney and Jillian, this has been a great conversation, really informative, really great for our audience to hear this information about trying to be safer online and about your show. I met my murderer online. Thanks for having Thank us, guys. You. Thank you for having us. I just want to say one more quick thing about the show. You have people that you have referred to as your team. Can you give a, another shout out to the people who help you out? Because again, this isn't a show where the two of you are dishing over coffee about true crime. Give a shout out to the people on your team who you learn from, who try to educate the listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. We got we got Joe Garner as our investigative journalist. We love Dr. Judy Ho. We love Scott Kalka, our EP. Sarah Zari, our criminal defense attorney. We have Eldridge Armstrong, a retired Secret Service agent. A wonderful team of people who support us and, you know, we're working on this before us and are really passionate about telling these stories. So I'm just very grateful that they brought us on board. Shout out Brian Hyland for connecting us. Great. Well, if uh, you ever want to come back on, doors open. Love it. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. guys. It's so fun. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>